Welcome to a new podcast series about building a future-ready workforce, where we discuss ways to help our workforce deal with an uncertain future during these unprecedented times. My name is Rebecca Schupp, and I lead digital marketing at Infosys USA. Our guest today is Sandra Jackson. She's a senior unit manager for equal employment opportunity and workforce diversity at Infosys. Sandra has been an HR professional for many years, working internationally in Switzerland and Turkey and leading global diversity and inclusion efforts for HP before joining Infosys in 2011. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit more about your journey, your love for culture and your appreciation for global diversity? Thank you so much, Becky. It's great to be here. And um, I've had the opportunity of living and working in Zurich, Switzerland and Izmir, Turkey. And that's where I saw um, firsthand uh, how culture plays a pivotal role in everything we do today. And I'm so happy to have that opportunity and spent uh, 10 years um, working internationally. Um, when I came back, I was searching for a career and my background was in finance and marketing. And I applied for a position at EDS, which is now HP. And they asked me to lead their um, international HR realm um, to help uh, streamline um, sending executives overseas and, and their international immigration operations. So that was just really exciting for me. I got to work with vendors um, around cultural training, um, diversity, and um, came to Dallas, Texas. That led me here to Dallas, where I live now, and uh, had a great uh, stint with HP. And then um, Emphasis knocked on my door, and they asked me to come and work for them and uh, head up their uh, diversity and inclusion efforts. Um, unbeknownst, unbeknownst to myself, I didn't realize I also would be driving affirmative action compliance um, along with diversity and inclusion um, from a compliance perspective as well as an inclusion perspective. So it's been really exciting working at Infosys, and um, I'm happy to apply all the skills and the background um, that I have here and uh, really to drive um, the business further into a more inclusionary environment, as well as uh, looking at hiring um, and developing women in underrepresented groups as we grow into the U.S. talent strategy model that we're growing into. Thanks, Sandra. Um, that's exciting, and it's it's great to see how you took your passion that you developed overseas and, and turned it into a career back in the U.S. and, and how you've been doing this uh, ever since. Um, so Sandra, let's dive right into the questions which um, are all about diversity and inclusion. So the first question is, Sandra, what are the top three things that leaders can do to create a diverse and inclusive work culture? Yeah, I, it took me some time to, to think about that because, you know, there, there's many things that leaders um, can do and should be doing, but the top three things that come to my mind is one, understand and be able to articulate the business case for diversity and inclusion. Um, recognizing bias and blind spots. You know, we all have uh, come, come to uh, the table with biases and blind spots. Um, and But if we recognize those, we, we can overcome those and let them not get in the way of our decision making. And then practicing inclusive leadership. 
Um, let me just go through um, a little bit more detail one by one. Um, understanding and be, being able to articulate the business case for diversity and inclusion. You know, the demographics of the U.S. have changed significantly over the past 10 years. Um, companies need diverse leaders who reflect the changing marketplace. Um, I'm sure once the 2020 census comes out, we're going to see a very different workforce than we saw 20 years ago. Um, and we, we really need to understand that, you know, when we look at research, heterogeneous teams outperform homogeneous teams, but at first they get off to a slower start. And it's that slower start that is the pain point, right? Um, however, like fitness, no pain, no gain. Um, the, you got to work out. You first, you know, have the pain and then you have the gain of building that muscle mass. Um, similarly with organizations, heterogeneous teams will drive greater innovation once they ramp up and begin to work together. And this in turn drives technological advancement, which in turn drives shareholder value. Um, and then recognizing your bias and blind spots. We all have biases, whether we want to believe that or not. Um, employees want to feel more engaged and have a sense of belonging at the company they work for. So ask your employees um, how you're doing as a leader or as a manager, get their feedback, uh, whether formally or informally, and help your employees feel more engaged uh, by positioning women in underrepresented groups and places for advancement. You know, this requires sponsorship, mentoring, development, exposure, and leaders really need to be committed to the idea of hiring, promoting, and sponsor, sponsoring someone who looks different than themselves. Um, and we, we can just really need to check ourselves and understand that our biases can get in the way of this sometimes, but we need to help clear the path for others to succeed and also understand the micro messages that we're sending. Uh, is it building up the personal power of our employees or taking away from personal power energy that they can be using uh, for innovation? And then practicing inclusive leadership. Um, leaders need to create a safe team environment where all employees can speak up and be heard and feel welcomed. They need to embrace the input of employees whose backgrounds or expertise different from their own and foster collaboration among diverse staff. You know, ask questions of all members. If, if a member is not uh, speaking up during a meeting, ask that person, you know, to give their feedback. Perhaps, you know, they're not comfortable, but if you ask them directly, they, they might uh, have a really good point uh, and a really good idea to, to give. Act upon the advice of your diverse employees. Um, and leaders can create a collaborative work environment by, by valuing authenticity over conformity in operating um, from an understanding of authenticity. And that's, authenticity is, is a whole uh, another uh, topic in itself. And hopefully we can, we can get into that. We really need to look at the diverse skills, communication styles, genders, races, and abilities um, to help everyone succeed in the workplace. Okay, and what values, if you had to call them out, do diversity and inclusion bring to an organization? Um, I agree with you. It's every leader should be thinking about it. But if you had to, you know, put a finger on it, what are the values that um, diversity and in inclusion bring to an organization? Yeah. And as I stated earlier, heterogeneous teams outperform homogeneous teams. The value is innovation, new ideas, new perspectives. 
um, teams that reflect the marketplace that you're doing business in. Um, you know, it's it's really growing that in, in innovation um, within the company and sharing that innovation with your clients. Clients want to see um, companies that reflect the marketplace. Um, clients want to see companies that value diversity and inclusion. And, you know, that's really the value uh, that diversity and inclusion brings to an organization. Can you think of an example of where a very diverse team has brought something to the table? Yeah, I can think of I can think of an old example back um, in, in my time working with General Motors and they um, you know, it, it kind of dates me, but it goes back to to when they called the car Nova and Nova means no go. And if they really would have had a diverse team, um, they would not have called the car Nova, right? Because they would have had people from who speak Spanish, people who understand the marketplace, and they would have really not named that car Nova. And of course, Nova does not exist anymore. But um, looking at when you're trying to uh, look at products, when you're trying to grow innovation, when you're trying to um, look at technological advances, those are examples where you need to bring teams um, internationally as well as locally, as well as different races, uh, genders, thought styles, perspectives uh, to the table. Um, you know, to look at your product penetration, look at your marketing penetration, and look at how you're going to drive innovation. Okay. And how do you encourage an environment where people coming from different backgrounds know that their ideas are valued? Yeah, you really need to lay the foundation and articulate the vision for inclusion and for the value that they bring. You can have a diverse workforce without having an inclusive workforce. Um, and really capitalizing on the strengths and competencies of all team members. You know, you can hire a diverse workforce, but then you got to grow them, develop them, engage those employees to feel a sense of belonging. And I think we're, we're really broadening the idea of diversity and inclusion to belonging. Um, the continuum is increasing um, to a sense of belonging, especially the uh, millennial generation, they want to have a sense of belonging when they come to work. And, and it's hard right now with all of us uh, working virtually, you're, you're seeing that pe people are feeling more and more isolated. So it's going to be harder and harder for employees to drive that sense of belonging, but you need to continue to do that. And leaders need to walk the talk. They need to check their biases, be it conscious or unconscious. We all have them. And organizations need to ensure the mechanisms and support systems are in place to drive inclusion. Are you creating a learning organization? You know, looking at promotion opportunities for both women and underrepresented groups and ensuring employee engagement initiatives are really embedded into the culture. Yeah, I think this is, you already answered my next question, which would have been, what can organizations do to cultivate this diverse an inclusive workforce. And I think inclusiveness is really the key here because that's it's it's including everyone. It's not just hiring them, but it's it's making sure everyone feels included. So um, what are the keys, especially during these um, unprecedented times where we are working in a virtual environment? We have a lot of people joining who have never been to an office. So what can organizations do to still maintain inclusivity um, in, in a diverse workforce? 
Yeah, I think that um, having all hands-on meetings um, where leaders come together and share um, their thought processes, I think our, you know, the leadership teams need to be able to do that, articulate the vision for the company, um, even uh, managers uh, just checking up on their employees. Don't let a week go by without calling your employee um, and say, how are you doing? Are, are, you, are you feeling okay this week? How are things going? Um, having those one-on-one discussions, especially during, you know, these unprecedented times right now, as, as you say, um, and, and really reaching out and then supporting your employees through, through health, uh, virtual health seminars, um, through, through engagement opportunities, albeit virtually, whether, whether it be webinars, um, and also maybe, you know, having, having some fun things, you know, if it has to be at five o'clock or after, you know, engaging in some fun events, um, whether it be doing yoga, you know, in your living room or, or whatnot. But I think that you have to really change the way that you do business and then allowing employees to have some flexibility. A lot of employees are, are homeschooling their children as well as trying to work full time. So maybe, you know, that employee says, I need, you know, one or two hours in the middle of the day, but I'm willing to work um, later that evening. Is that okay? And keeping those communication uh, mechanisms open and keeping that flexibility open. Yeah, that makes sense. Sandra, how does bringing people from different backgrounds reinforce a healthy work environment? Yeah, and a healthy environment needs to be cultivated. Um, Bringing in different backgrounds of people does not necessarily mean a healthy environment, right? So are you utilizing the skill sets of individuals um, who who don't look like you? Do you reinforce learning? And is your environment conducive for individuals with disabilities, especially neurodiverse individuals? We're hearing a lot about neurodiversity and how it's driving um, technological advances and taking advantage of of those employees um, from from an innovation perspective. And are you supporting women in underrepresented groups? Do you promote employee resource groups to foster collaboration and networking? Do you really support those? And most importantly, are leaders walking the talk, you know, and modeling inclusive behaviors? Um, What does your health checkup look like when you survey employees? Uh, The voice of the employee survey is so important. Um, And once you survey them, are you, and you find some unfavorable results, are you setting in place an action plan um, to mitigate the underlying organizational factors causing the problems? Um, All of these things have to be looked at. And um, what are challenges um, that HR is facing or over the course of your careers, what challenges have you observed or lived through um, that HR is facing while implementing diversity and inclusion programs within an organization? Yeah, DNI oftentimes during, especially during times of cost-cutting measures is often looked at as a discretionary program and an HR program. Um, you know, DNI is not a program, it's a mindset and involves a paradigm shift. Um, and it needs to be driven and embraced first by the CEO from the top and then embraced and driven by the business leaders. HR can be a support system, a support mechanism, a consultative uh, mechanism to help drive the program, but HR should not be running the program. 
Um, and also when there are budget cuts to be had, um, the first thing that gets cut is the HR budget. And, and thereby, if DNI is under HR, the DNI budget gets cut. And, and really, leadership needs to understand that you can not take a start and stop approach to diversity and inclusion. It's not a program. The diversity lens needs to be embedded into everything that a company does from a talent strategy perspective. You know, looking at the total employee life cycle of how you hire, how you onboard, how you develop, and how you grow your workforce. Um, attrition is a big issue, uh, especially in the IT industry. Do you understand why people are leaving, especially when women are leaving or underrepresented groups? And it starts with a top-down approach. Um, and it's also incumbent upon the DNI head to ensure the business case is clearly articulated and understood by everyone. And senior leadership needs to champion and embrace the need for inclusion and understand their role as well. Do they really understand what they need to be doing? And this can be a challenge when there are so many pressing factors, especially during times of cost-cutting measures, clients streamlining their spend. You know, leaders need to understand that diversity and inclusion is a journey. It takes time. It takes strategy. And at the end of the day, it takes money to invest in this change. Absolutely. But the new normal that we're living in with everything being digital, um, do you think this is an advantage or dis disadvantage for hiring a diverse workforce and then um, creating an inclusive work environment? Yeah, I think, I think it's both an advantage and a disadvantage. The advantage is that, unfortunately, right now in the U.S., there, there are 40 million people on unemployment. Unfortunately for companies who want to uh, grow their workforce, um, they need to tap into uh, those folks who, who have been furloughed um, during the time of COVID And really look at the skill sets and, and diversity skill sets to bring to the table, as well as looking at bringing women in, um, minorities, um, and be, being able to articulate um, why they should, should come and work for your company, what the value is that you bring. And also retooling and reskilling employees is going to be, be a key um, tapping into, you know, the, the campus hires, tapping into the universities um, and really retooling and reskilling re for the workforce of tomorrow. And so we have time to do this now. We have um, an advantage to do it. The disadvantage is um, that because of the cost cutting measures, because of, you know, the unprecedented times, um, we have to also look at spending, um, who we're hiring, um, how much hiring can we do, and really putting in place a good talent management strategy um, so you bring in the right talent, and that talent um, is going to be able to learn and grow within the company. So, you know, a year down the road, you're not fur furloughing people or you're not letting people go. So that, that talent strategy, that talent management plan is going to be key. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. And you are listening to the podcast series about building a future-ready workforce. Make sure to tune in to our next episode. Have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.